Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. The Bears-Colts number has moved to three, sitting at two and a half a week. It goes to that key number of a field goal over at points bet. Total sitting at 43. Welcome on in. Coming up on the show, we'll check in with the Action Network's Chad Millman. He's got some Bears thoughts and a best bet he wants to share with you guys. Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse. Every single week right here on 670 The Score, he's going to tell you how to bet today's Preakness, yep, snuck up on you, didn't it? It's today. And Adam Chernoff for an extended convo in just a moment. If you haven't checked out my daily sports betting show, Bet Sweats, what are you guys doing? It airs live Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. for free on the Radio.com app. If you want to watch us live, Radio.com slash Bet Sweats, 9 to 11 a.m. But most important thing, though, Subscribe to the podcast, top-notch information, outstanding guests, and we're able to give away free bets every single week, courtesy of PointsBet. So make sure you check out the show. It's myself, seven-year offensive lineman in the NFL, Radio.com NFL analyst Ross Tucker. We have a lot of fun every single day. Now on Early Odds right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score, we welcome in a friend of the show, Adam Chernoff from up in Canada, followed by his Twitter handle, by his name, at Adam Chernoff. He is the voice of the Simple Handicap Podcast. It's perfect if you only have about 15 minutes in the morning and you want to be up to speed. Everything going on with the weekly NFL lines. Adam, thanks for coming on today. Let's start off with the season as a whole. 
obviously the big theme uh, as far as sports betters go is about these totals and the books are obviously ticking them up. I don't recall ever seeing this many games that are well into the fifties right now. How has the season gone for you? And uh, what is your thought on, on the heavy trend of all these totals hitting early in the season, including jets and Broncos flying over on Thursday? Season's been frustrating, to say the least, from betting sides in that perspective, uh, making a lot of good bets and just struggling to find any results coming from the numbers I've taken. But there usually is like a multiple week window every NFL season that I've done this where that seems to be the case. But something about this year just feels a little more frustrating than usual. I don't know necessarily what it is. Um, In terms of the totals, you're definitely right. Like we've never seen numbers this high ever and each week they've been being adjusted up between about a point and a half and two points we're now at the point where the average totals like flirting with 50 which is ridiculous and I think the people talking about the penalties and the different ways that the game is being called are all correct but I think that that is the result of the cadence being heard so well by all of the offensive players on the field due to there being no crowd noise and the fake crowd noise from the speakers not being loud enough to have an impact. And coming into the season, I was very much in the camp of not believing that home field advantage mattered due to crowd noise. I thought that that was something that we couldn't measure and we didn't know. And I got so hung up in that conversation that I completely missed the idea of well, if the offensive players can hear every single thing that the quarterback is saying, they can hear everything that the guys on the offensive line are saying, and all of a sudden that becomes a huge advantage knowing when the ball is going to be snapped with different counts and different cadences, that's going to give everybody on the offense a jump. That's going to mean they all know their assignment, and they're going to be just that half a step quicker than everyone on the defense. So I, I don't think that the refs are calling less holding. I think there's less holding because every offensive lineman knows exactly when the ball is going to be snapped. And I think that there's less penalties elsewhere all because of that. And I think we're seeing more offensive efficiency and more offensive output because all these receivers know exactly the timing of when the ball is going to be snapped and they have that slight jump on the defense. So when you couple that in with sort of the significant downgrade we've seen in tackling, I think that that's really what's driving a lot of this scoring and a lot of this offensive output. That, that's a good point, too, because it's the, about the tackling, because it's something that we addressed a lot in the preseason without a preseason, as we were getting ready for the year, without any games to get ready, much less time to practice. We talked about it then, but then the season started, and then we kind of like, oh, it's the elite quarterback play. Oh, it's no crowd noise. Oh, it's no penalties. And we forgot that there is some horrendous tackling happening every Sunday. Yeah, it's really, really bad. And that's for sure that it certainly went from one of the more discussed topics to something that we sort of forgot about. But it's, it's, it's bad. It's as bad as it's ever been. With Adam Chernoff right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Adam on Twitter by his name, at Adam Chernoff. Adam, let's go through this week four card. We'll go back and forth. Uh, some of our favorite sides and or totals that we like. You're the guest. Why don't you start us off? Where do you want to begin? Well, we might as well start with the Chicago Bears. I think that's a reasonable place to begin. Yeah. 
it was preseason. I think you had me on here and I was talking about the Foles Trubisky back and forth and, and how I thought the team was handling it. And I'm, I'm still going to hold strong to my opinion that there was no way that Pace and Nagy after what they did in that draft a couple of years ago that I don't really want to sort of revisit. I think anyone listening knows how that went. Thank you. Um, I, I don't think that there was any chance that they could have started Foles this season had something go less than expected early in the season and then have to go back to Trubisky. If they would have done that, that would have been something they could never live down past a horrendous event in that draft a couple of years ago that they're still having trouble living down again. So as much as there were these rumors that Trubisky was performing better in camp than Foles was and anything along those lines, I think that that was played up a little bit more intentionally by the both of them just to sort of set up this situation where Trubisky could start the year, potentially not look as great as we, well, the bar was pretty low to begin with, but struggles a little bit. And then they sort of have the forced excuse to go to fulls, which is what they wanted. And I think we saw that expressed with the amount of money that they paid him in the off season. So I think now for the first time, despite being three and O the bears are probably going to get, what they want from an offensive perspective. And even though they are three and O like there were some limitations within that playbook that have continued. We saw with Trubisky. I think this is the first week in a long time that Matt Nagy as a play caller, which is when he was brought into the bears, he was getting praised for that. And it was well-deserved for some of the designs that he came up with in past positions. Like he's certainly talented in that regard. And I don't think it's like a, as a Jets fan, I don't think this is an Adam Gase situation where another talented play caller comes and is just overwhelmed with a new position. I really think that he still is a very talented play caller, and now we get to see it. So I'm intrigued by the prospect of now the Bears being able to open their full playbook, be aggressive with a lot of their play calls, and matched up against this Colts defense. I was very high on Indy coming into the season, uh, but 2-1, and one, they've played the Jags, they've played the Vikings, They've played the Jets. I've got concerns, to say the least, of how much some of this rate of play is sustainable. They're number one in the NFL for EPA per play allowed. I think that that's much more reflective of the schedule of opposing offenses they faced than the true talent of this defense that just tends to sit and cover two for the entire game, rarely blitz, don't generate a lot of pressure, keeps everything underneath. They have Xavier Rhodes at corner, who pro football focused through three weeks, has as the top graded corner. <laughs> Last season, he was 109th of 115. And Bears fans and those that follow the AFC or NFC North will know how bad he was. I don't believe that he's the best cornerback in football. TJ Carey, similar situation. He was 86th of 115 last season. And he's up all the way to ninth right now. So, like, I don't believe that these are two of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. I think they're much closer to average at best. The loss of Malik Hooker in week two was enormous for the secondary. He's the most talented player in coverage. Key role at safety in the back. Now, his loss wasn't exposed by the Jets because I don't think the Jets could expose a loss of a safety on a high school team, let alone a professional team like the Colts. But now, again, with that aggression, I think we're going to see from Chicago, that's going to make a difference for this Colts secondary, which is really getting their first true test of the season. And offensively, I could go on for quite a bit about how I'm disappointed with the Colts' offensive output through three weeks against these three soft defenses. But I think sort of the one stat that sums it up the most 
this offense has had the best average starting field position of any team in the NFL through three weeks against these defenses. They're just 18th in points per drive, and no team has converted third downs at a lower rate than Indianapolis. So the explosive passes, the explosive plays have been there. They've been able to move the ball. But again, now it's a step up in class facing the Bears defense, facing that Bears defensive line. I just I think that the points here and this spread just a little bit too high should be closer to the pick. So um, Bears money line around plus 125. Certainly think it's a look if you like teasers. Also think the Bears at home, uh, a very good teaser like too. Yes, I have used the Bears in uh, in a teaser leg this week, getting through the three, getting through the seven. I agree with you. And uh, you mentioned that it's a step in class for the Colts. It's also a step up in class for the Bears here, going up against no the Colts defense. Like, yeah, I agree. Xavier Rose is not the best quarterback in the NFL. People said a year ago that he was completely done. But this defense is better than Atlanta, than the Giants. And what they saw in week one when the secondary was completely decimated at the end of the game uh, with the Detroit Lions. What's interesting about Nagy and Pace, the point that you brought up at the start is I, I think the two of them want two very different things. Like That's Pace's draft pick. He wanted to give him another chance. I'm impressed with what Matt Nagy was able to do. He was able to bench Mitchell Trubisky, the guy that he does not want to play right? He, he wanted to bench him last year, but Chase Daniel was standing there and he couldn't make that case. He was able to bench Mitch Trubisky without losing a football game. And now they're going to play some tougher opponents. And he's got his guy out there, Nick Foles, the guy that he targeted. And he brought in all these coaches that had history with Nick Foles. So he could create the consensus and go to the GM and say, this is the guy that we have to get. I, I just think a masterful job by Nagy. I can't wait to see. I don't have a side in the game, but I can't wait to see how this plays out. Uh, one intriguing angle to me is you know, the narrative is that Nick Foles is a better relief pitcher than a starting pitcher. When teams have a full week to prepare, why does he uh, have some struggles from time to time? That's going to be very interesting to watch this week. Yeah, awfully interesting with the timing, as you mentioned. But um, he comes out, he wins the Super Bowl, and I think he gets built up to be a lot greater than he is. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay if he's an average quarterback and it allows Nagy to use his entire playbook. Like, I think that's fine. He doesn't need to be that elite quarterback that took the Eagles to the Super Like, he doesn't have to be that guy. At this point, if you're a Bears fan, have an average quarterback that's solid week to week. Like, the expectations with him, I always felt, were a bit off. But um, just be average. And I think that that's a huge step up in, in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's why Nick Foles is here. Because that yeah, was the exactly. mindset. Can you be average? Which guy gives us the highest floor? And they felt Foles was that guy. So that's exactly why he's here. I uh, want to get your thoughts on a game that I like. I liked it more at 13, not as much at 14. But I still think the Ravens are going to be able to take care of the Washington football team. Coming off of Monday, everything going wrong for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews couldn't catch a pass. The offensive line was terrible. And now you're going up against the football team's offense as opposed to the best quarterback in the entire world with what Pat Mahomes was, was able to pull off. Maybe it's narrative but bounce back spot. I think Harbaugh is going to have this team ready. And the bottom line here, Adam, and the, the reason I'm willing to lay so many points on the road, whether or not it means anything, is the football team's offense just isn't going to be able to hang uh, with the Ravens. And they've been giving up a lot of points. 
to offenses that don't have the ability of the Ravens at time with, uh, you know, in the Browns and Cardinals, they're good. They're explosive at times, but 30 plus to those teams, I'm expecting the Ravens to put up at least 30. I think Baltimore minus 13 now minus 14 is a look for me on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, lay the points. You're not going to get a back to back uh, play calling I don't even know what you call it on Monday. It was the worst we've ever seen the Harbaugh and the Ravens perform offensively. It was the worst game he's ever coached in the NFL. And it was the worst game plan I've seen put together. Like the Chiefs very obviously came out in a similar defensive look and formation to what the Titans used to beat the Ravens in the playoffs. And from the time that Harbaugh on that first drive called for the field goal instead of the touchdown in a game he knew was going to be high scoring and he had to compete with the Chiefs, it just conceded defeat. It was bizarre. And then as soon as they had some trouble moving the football, decision-making went out the window. It's, just, it's not going to happen for a second week in a row. Like, they're going to be better. And now you get a Washington football team, uh, Chase Young, doesn't look like he's going to start. That front seven gets a lot weaker with a couple other injuries that were lingering as well. That secondary of Washington was still a huge issue. Arizona was able to do whatever they wanted against them, and that's an offense that I'm very much down on, but I thought that was very telling um, how easily they were able, able to move the football through the air on the ground as well. Terry McLaurin hit the injury report. A thigh injury came up in camp. Um, Sims Jr. has been a DNP both of these weeks, so for an offense in Washington, they can't move the football to begin with. You potentially take away both of the top wide receivers on that offense. That's extremely problematic against this Ravens defense. So not too much to add to what you said. I think I can echo a lot of those statements. And it's just a case where there's probably going to be hesitance to lay this big of a number on the road for some people just because of how we've sort of learned to bet on football. And I think that at times that can be justified. But certainly here, uh, I don't know how anyone's making a case for Washington in this spot. Yeah, absolutely. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670. The score of my guest, Adam Chernoff, the voice of the Simple Handicap Podcast. Uh, take us somewhere else on the board, Adam. Let's go to South Beach in Miami. Uh, Dolphins, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it's certainly worth a look. It's going to be difficult for a lot of people to put into their accounts. But uh, Seahawks' price continues to climb up to a one-point dog in week one. They're four-point favorite in week two, five-and-a-half-point favorite week three. We're now getting them six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. And I'm not going to try take away from what, what Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have done offensively. A 139 rating, 14 TDs to one INT, 9.0 yards per attempt, 8.0 air yards, a 77% completion rate. That's 9.5% above expectation. This team scored... 38, 35, 38 in the three weeks, an average 37 points per game, pass rates through the roof overall, pass rates way up on first down. Like everybody that's been complaining about the way the Seahawks manage this offense for what seems like an eternity at this point are getting everything they want from this team so far this season, and it looks terrific. With all of that said, Seahawks minus 0.1 in net yards per play. And if we want to sort of expand on those three games they've played, week two, they have a goal line stand on the one-yard line to keep the Patriots out of the end zone to preserve that win. Week three, they have that late touchdown drive with a two-point conversion, 
And then they stall the Cowboys drive, which had some of the most horrendous late game play calling you're ever going to see from a team in order to preserve that win. Seahawks very close to being one and two or two and one rather than being three and oh with some of the best offensive numbers we've seen from a team over a three week stretch in a very long time. And I think that all of this really illustrates just how weak and how many issues there are on this defense. They can't cover anybody. The gaffes in coverage is alarming. And the pass rush in completely non-existent aside from a three-man rush late in the game against the Dallas Cowboys where the five guys on that Cowboys offensive line sort of forgot how to block anyone in front of them. That was the only sign of pass rush we've seen from the Seahawks in three weeks this season. And Miami, they're going to be aggressive. We know that. If you're betting the Dolphins as a big underdog, the one thing that you know going in with Fitzpatrick is they're going to try push the ball downfield. So far this season, the Dolphins 13th in EPA per play, 12th in drop back EPA, and 15th in yards per drive. So there's been offensive success from Miami, but Fitzpatrick, really good on early downs so far this season. He's been terrific in the last couple of seasons he started when he's throwing from a clean pocket. So I see this as a spot where Seattle's going to come out, they're going to score. It's going to be very difficult to stop Seattle, but for anyone, all season. But I also look at a Miami team with Fitzpatrick that's going to be aggressive. He loves being in a clean pocket and pushing the ball downfield. Facing this Seattle defense, I don't think Miami's going to have much difficulty keeping up and going score for score with the Dolphins. And when I look at opposing defenses that Seattle has faced, I think there's a clear argument that I can make that Miami's going to be the best defense they've faced so far. And without getting into sort of really detailed back and forth stats, looking at opponents, opponents, but just putting it out there, Dallas and Atlanta, they're 26th and 27th in EPA allowed per play. I think it'll be surprising for people to know the Patriots are dead last in the NFL for down to down success rate. And they're 31st in past success rate against through three weeks. And that's looking at snap by snap numbers, not just games as a whole. Miami on the other side, they've played the most difficult schedule of opposing offenses in the first three weeks of the season. They're 15th in EPA per pass allowed. They get Fedulum back at safety. They're starting safety. Xavier Howard comes back healthy. Their top corner, Byron Jones, was limited at practice today. There's rumors that he can potentially start. I'm not necessarily holding my breath for that, considering the injury. But even without Jones, those two other guys back, this is the healthiest this Dolphins defense is going to be for the entire season, where relative to the schedule, they've actually performed quite well. So it's not like it's a huge step up in class for them facing the Seahawks offense as good as it is. If they can just get a couple of stops throughout the game and that offense stays aggressive, I think six and a half points looks really, really large for the Seahawks to cover here on this spot on the road. So I like the Dolphins here at six and a half. Do you think this goes over 54? It's a huge number. I think it'll get close, um, but I see more in the side than the, than the total, but I would lean towards the over for sure. Okay, very good. Miami plus six. So uh, I'm guessing, Adam, you haven't lost a lot of money on Russell Wilson this year. <laughs> uh, not yet. This, not yet. No. I mean, why not oppose them with the Dolphins? Like, sure. No. Who else could go to battle for? It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good spot there. All right. I'm. Uh, I'm also looking at an underdog going against a very, very soft defense. How about the Browns 
at the Cowboys. The Cowboys have given up, what, 38-39 over the last couple of weeks. In 2020, not the most efficient way to score, you would think, but it feels like Cleveland is finding a way to get things done using their running backs. Um, Let's not let our quarterback, Baker Mayfield, ruin everything and throw 20-plus interceptions for us. So they're using the offense going through Nick Chubb, getting 20-plus touches every week. Uh, Kareem Hunt popped up on the injury report, reports out of Cleveland, is that he'll be just fine for this weekend. He's getting about 16 touches per game. Adam, I'm just looking at this spot, and and we know the Cowboys can move the football. They're going to put up points as well. Maybe we should be talking about another very high over here, but I'm expecting this matchup uh, to come down to the end, probably a one-possession game, and I'm getting more than a field goal. At four and a half, I like Cleveland. What do you think? I haven't bet it one way or the other, but I can tell you that a lot of people I respect are very much on Cleveland. So you're definitely looking to the right side of this game. And and I don't think that I can make a case for Dallas early in the week. The one sort of spot that had me concerned about Cleveland was both Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams Mm -hmm. found the injury report. Denzel Ward trending in the right direction. Greedy Williams has just been limited all week. Uh, But if there was the chance that Ward was going to be unable to go and Williams was going to be limited after his return last week, uh, the prospect of this Brown secondary facing the Cowboys offense without their two best corners was going to be tough for me to get behind. But if both of those guys are trending in the right direction, uh, I think they can potentially be just fine within this matchup. They're going to need a big performance from their defensive line, which against the Cowboys offensive line, considering how they've been pass blocking, like we just mentioned late in the game, Seattle, with no pass rush whatsoever, was able to cause trouble with a three-man rush late in the game. Like this Cowboys offensive line, we're used to it being such a strong unit. It has taken such a huge step back so far in 2020. So uh, that Browns pass rush, if it can cause trouble, that really upsets a lot of what the Cowboys can do offensively. I don't know how much success Dallas has running the football against this Cleveland front either. It's just, I was so high on Dallas coming into the season because I thought, so many things go right. You finally have Jason Garrett out of there. That's the issue. Kellen Moore gets full reins over the playbook. Mike McCarthy was saying all the right things. And through three weeks, like it's clear they're not overcoming some of the injuries and departures on the offensive line. It's clear the injuries on the defensive side of the football are going to be a huge issue going forward. And it's clear that the play calling we were all very excited about is still very much a work in progress. Another is just one of the many teams that I was high on that just I'm really disappointed with so far. So we're, we're seeing four and a half. I think it's a bit of a soft four and a half at that. So uh, I, I get what you're saying and where you're coming from with Cleveland. I can see it for sure. Just uh, not one that I was able to get uh, early enough when there was some five and five and a half showing. So that would be sort of my thoughts there on that spot. Yes, uh, no question. Keep an eye on that injury report, and it's something you might have to wait until 90 minutes before kickoff here uh, with Adam Chernoff on Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm Joe Ostrowski. Adam, anything else that you want to mention? Side, total, uh, anything you're looking at with this week four card? Yeah, one more total, and this is just really sort of basic based on two things that I believe that are not true to this point in the season. So I don't think this is a tough statement to make, but I don't think that Philadelphia is the worst offense in the NFL. The numbers have them 32nd. Limited names, albeit they have tons of injuries, right? But I look at the Eagles with Wentz, with Peterson, 
with some of the names on the offensive line, with some of the skill position players. I don't believe that these guys are worse than the Jets, than the Giants, than Haskins and the Washington football team, than Herbert and the Chargers. I just, I don't believe that that's true. The numbers say it's for three weeks, but I don't believe that's true. On the other side, I don't believe that the 49ers are the third best defense in the NFL, like the numbers suggest. And I think that in the case of the 49ers, they've really benefited from playing the Jets and the Giants, two of those offenses that are apparently better than the Eagles the last two weeks as they continue to just pile up the injuries. So we saw the 49ers against the Cardinals. Again, another offense I touched about who I think is very overrated. They played them in the first week, then they go Jets and they go Giants. But in the last two weeks, Nick Bosa, gone. D Ford, gone. Solomon Thomas, gone. Richard Sherman, gone. Dre Greenlaw, no practice all week. Emmanuel Mosley, no practice all week. Witherspoon, limited. Kawan Williams, limited. Like those are huge names from the 49ers defense that have been hurt in the last couple of weeks or now dealing with injuries that are going to keep them from participating or playing at 100% this week. And I think this is the first time that really all of these injuries are going to come together and we're going to see the collective impact of all of these guys not being on the field. And with all of that said, if I'm looking at this total, which is 46, spoke at the top about how all these totals are through the roof, priced extremely high. If either the Eagles being the worst offense in the league or the 49ers being the third best defense in the league or a combination of both is priced into this total, which is why we're not seeing it much higher, then I think that there's a reasonable to significant edge here in betting the over. I do think the Eagles are going to have a chance to move the football against this 49ers defense. I thought Mullen looked really good with the 49ers and Shanahan. I think there was a reason that he declined all the offers that he was getting for him in the offseason and kept him in this offense. George Kittle is going to be back. Debo Samuel has a chance to play in this spot as well. I get the issues with the Eagles, but I, I just I believe that they're better than what the numbers are saying. I don't think the 49ers are as good. I think this is a spot where this total is just too low, needs to be higher, and, and I'll back the over looking at either 45 and a half or 46 right now as we speak. Adam, what I find fascinating about this game and a few others uh, in primetime this week and late afternoon, so the Eagles, seven-point dogs. Uh, the Patriots bouncing around six and a half or seven-point dogs. The Falcons as touchdown underdogs to the Packers after they lose Lazard. I don't know that Devontae Adams is going to be out there. It's the week before the bye for them. I don't know that I'm adjusting my handicapping a ton, but I would say in past seasons, plays like this, the Patriots, Eagles, Falcons, and the offense, assuming Julio Jones is back, those used to be automatic plays for me. And uh, just going up against these offenses, I'm hesitant to pull the trigger. Yeah, I think I'm very much the same way. I've only bet, I've got about six or seven bets in total. The only favorite that I've, taken was the Houston Texans. Otherwise I'm on all dogs, which just, and it's a weird week where I listen to a lot of shows you and friends of ours are involved with. And then other shows that I have uh, with people elsewhere within the betting industry. And like everybody is thinking a different way about a lot of these games, not necessarily just on the opposite for me, but like 
it's a very weird week where there's not a lot of people sort of on the same spots or on the same games or talking about the same games even. Like there's very strong opinions from such a wide range of games. I think it's a very uh, interesting week and hopefully being sort of alone by myself on an island on a lot of these games will treat me right. I don't, I never know if that's a good thing or not, but we'll see this week, I guess, but I certainly agree with you. That's true. Uh, I didn't even think about that, that usually by Thursday, by Friday, at least in the uh, sports betting analysis community, there seems to be some sort of a consensus on one game. I don't think there is. Not even close. Yeah, it's yeah. a really weird week. Wow. Make sure you check out the Simple Handicap Podcast. Subscribe. Great stuff from Adam Chernoff every single day. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Chernoff. Adam, thank you for your time this morning and early odds. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Chernoff says take the Bears money line if you're feeling it. Dolphins plus six and a half. Eagles, Niners over the point total. I like the Ravens. Browns, a little worried about the Hopkins injury since he's a game-time decision, but I do lean to the Cardinals. Really like that Dolphins pick from Adam there. Up next, the Action Network's Chad Millman has some Bears takes and a best bet, and I'll go more in-depth how you should be betting this Bears-Colts game tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m. Sports Radio 670, The Score, and the Radio.com app. Follow me on Twitter, at Joe0670. Always let you know when I'm on the air, whether it's The Score or Radio.com, doing my sports betting show, Bet Sweats. We'll hear from Chad Millman at the Action Network in just a couple minutes. I just spoke with Adam Chernoff. He made a case for the Bears as an underdog or even an outright victory. I've heard strong cases on both sides, Bears and Colts, from numerous respected bettors this week. And my stance is I can't bet this game against the spread because of the number of unknowns that we have. First on the Bears side, Matt Nagy's playbook apparently open for the first time since he's been here, right? Because he has his guy under center in Nick Foles for an entire game. So they had the entire week of prep. He's taken all of the practice reps. What is that going to look like? I don't know. It's year three under Nagy, and we don't know what that looks like. Foles' history tells us that he's going to come in. He's going to give your team a spark when a defense is not prepared, comes off the bench, knows the offense well, and it works. Now, when there's a week to prepare, narrative is what? Historically, He's not as good as he is coming off the bench. Indianapolis certainly has the best defense and by far the best team overall that the Bears have faced here in week number four. Now on the Colts side, the metrics tell you that the Colts have a shutdown defense. Number one in defensive yards per play. Do they? I don't know. They've gone against the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Jets, three of the worst teams in the NFL. They're number two in point differential, number one in total DVOA. Okay, that's great, but I don't know if they're any good because they haven't played anybody yet. I quickly mentioned it with Chernoff. Here is how I'm going to be betting this Bears game. Here's what I feel strongest about, and it's using a teaser. There's a reason not all the sports books offer teasers, or they really like to juice them up, so you don't really bet them that much. Now, if you don't know, a standard teaser is you pick two teams and you move the point spread or the total, 
I suggest the point spread in your favor by six points. So if you have two seven-point favorites, that means you move both of those spreads down to minus one. The lower the total, the better. You typically want to pick from games that have totals under 49 points. Bears-Colts, second lowest total of the day. So you want a lower total, and you're hunting for a home favorite where you can cut through the seven and also go through the three. Or you can pick a short underdog, can be on the home or on the road, inside of a field goal. This thing's been bouncing around between two and a half and three points all week. So if you were to tease this line, you're moving the Bears from two and a half to plus eight and a half or three to plus nine. A lot of unknowns in this contest. I think the Bears are one of the strongest teaser legs that you could find out there. Only question is, which one do you want to match it up with? Now to a conversation I had with Chad Millman this week on my live Radio.com sports betting show. The name of it is Bet Sweats. It's 9 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday with Radio.com NFL analyst Ross Tucker. And uh, Chad Millman, of course, from the Action Network. I started off by buttering Chad up a little bit, okay? I mean... He deserves the credit that I'm giving him. He's the only one I heard nationally picking the Bears to win the NFC North. So I made him feel good about himself. I, I, I gave him some praise. I'm like, hey, you're on the Bears, and they're 3-0, and tied for first place with the Packers. Listen, I couldn't feel better about myself right now. Uh, <laughs> not only Bears to win the NFC North, but I also took, the, took a taste of the Bears to uh, – win the Super Bowl at 40-1. to And look, the NFC outside of Seattle is kind of a mess right now. I'm still not a full buyer on the Packers. I'm more impressed after this past week than I was sort of against the Vikings and the Lions. But uh, if you're talking about the NFC, there's the Seahawks, there's the Packers, and you have to put the Bears there by virtue of them being undefeated. It doesn't matter that... They're a DeAndre Swift catch away from losing that first game. It doesn't matter that they're a Daniel Jones turnover machine away from losing that second game or that they got lucky to play one of the worst, most choke-worthy teams in the history of the NFL in week three. This week they got the Colts coming to Chicago, and uh, I cannot believe they are underdogs in that game. Hmm. Chad. Chad. Yes. yes. I, know you're a, I, I know you're a Bears fan. And I'm glad that you said before the year that you were higher on the Bears, their division hopes, their futures, their season win total. But come on, dude. Like, are you really feeling good about yourself? Are you re- – do, do you really think the Bears are good? I mean, listen, now that they have Foles in, maybe they have a chance. But still, I mean, come on, dude. That, that's been ridiculous three weeks in a row. They are who I thought they were. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> they, are, they are a 3-0 team. Look, one of the reasons why, mathematically speaking, you know, Joe, you mentioned Simon Hunter off the top, right? Like, he's my co-host on the Favorites podcast. He's a professional better. During the offseason, we talked about season win totals. We talked about teams whose odds we liked. We talked about teams we thought there was value to make some long-shot bets, right? The Bears match the criteria, A, because their defense is generally pretty good. They have playmakers sort of at all three levels of the defense, which is something you need to have a really good defense, right? And a defense that can sort of 
make the kind of plays in the right spots and potentially score some points. Mitch Trubisky was the wild card. He's out. Thank God. So now you've got David Montgomery, who's playing a little bit better. You've got Nick Foles, who I think is a better quarterback for this team than Mitch Trubisky. And you've got a lot of regression. And what I mean by that is last year, the Bears had a lot of unlucky plays. This year, they're getting lucky plays. And whenever you're going to be thinking about long shot bets, which is obviously what the Bears are, when I took them at 40 to 1, you have to be accounting for long shot for some luck. And so that's really what it is. I mean, Joe, you say it's lucky. I say it's, you know, prescience. (laughs) (laughs) How much uh, have you changed your handicapping on the NFL over the last couple of years? You have a great relationship with Bob Scucci for so long, and now you talk to a pro better on a regular basis. You have all the different analysts at the Action Network. Like for me, I I think we looked at games similarly for many, many years. And I wonder if you still look at it the same way, like let down spots and bounce back spots or stuff like that. The game is changing. Now these totals are so high. Have you adjusted much over the last couple of seasons? God, that's a great question. I was actually just talking about that with someone this morning. I have. Uh, the public has gotten much smarter. And so the the move that you might have made early in the week because you're afraid a number is going to go a certain direction I tend to wait a little bit longer before I make my bets, sometimes into Saturday and Sunday, because sometimes you're getting the best of the number on the games you want on those days. But I'd say the biggest thing is I am much less afraid to bet a massive number, and I am much less afraid to bet road favorites. For me, like when I used to look at the slate, the first thing I would look for is which team got blown out the week before and what is the line in that game this week? And are there any home underdogs? And if there were home underdogs and Mm -hmm. the home underdog who had just gotten blown out, that was an automatic play for me because you knew that the bookmakers were going to be shading uh, against that team because the public was going to come in on the other side. So you were going to get a lot of value on it. This weekend, you've got the Ravens visiting Washington and they are 13 point favorites. And that line has gone up. And I got to tell you, I am hard pressed to find a reason to bet the Washington football team right now. And it used to be for years, that was an automatic play. I very well may come in on the Ravens when all this is said and done, because I think the, especially now, home field advantage is a little bit less. But I also think the last couple of years, like the better teams are just better. And it's getting harder and harder for bad teams to win. What are your best bets for week four? I love the Dolphins. The Dolphins at six and a half point underdogs. And it, it, it counters everything I just said. The Dolphins at six and a half point underdogs on the road against the Seahawks. But the Dolphins to me are a team that just plays hard. And you saw it starting last year. Last year, the Dolphins became, became a great weekly play because they were going to play harder, as hard as their opponents. They just didn't have the talent. But as soon as they put Ryan Fitzpatrick in, they put themselves in a position to backdoor every single game because the guy just brings out magic and is able to find the end zone at the end of the game. We saw it almost happen in week one against the um, Patriots, right? And so this is a prime spot for that. You've got a Russell Wilson team that really relies on Russell Wilson to make that one magical play that gives them a one-score win. But against the, the Dolphins, like you could see the Seahawks maybe being up by a touchdown and at the end of the game, Fitzpatrick doing what he does, and maybe they lose by six, but, you know, it was an exciting finish. And, like, to me, the Dolphins just keep themselves in in just about every game they play. 
So both of my guests this week on Miami, there's Chad Millman from the Action Network. Earlier we heard from Adam Chernoff, the host of the Simple Handicap Podcast. We're building a bit of a consensus here on Early Odds. Let's talk Preakness next with Jim Miller over at Hawthorne Racecourse. You've got Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. You know we're not going to get out of here on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score without getting you some picks for the Preakness. So we welcome in Jim Miller, just like every Saturday morning, at Hawthorne Jim on Twitter from Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, we all know, our regular listeners have been aware, that PointsBet launched on the mobile platform three weeks ago in conjunction with Hawthorne Racecourse. But something uh, big happened this past Wednesday. Why don't you share? Yeah, and I'll tell you, Joe, it, it's been really a whirlwind around here because we had everything with that mobile launch, and, and that kind of got sprung on us really quickly in, in an exciting fashion. But this past Wednesday, we opened the retail portion of sports wagering here at Hawthorne Racecourse, and I'll tell you, it's a great setup. You can come in, you can watch the horse races, you can bet on sports. You have nearly 100 HD televisions to watch different sporting events on. PointsBet's been an awesome partner. We're very excited for this. And this is just a temporary setup. We're about a year away from a full-blown, massive sports book, the biggest you're going to see in the state of Illinois. So it's really exciting times around here. So what are the hours people can drop by and check out the sports book, the temp one at least? Yep. So we open early here at Hawthorne. So actually at 8 a.m., you can come in the doors and start making wagers. And we're going to go all the way up to about 1 a.m. each and every day. There's a lot of sporting events that take place out there on the West Coast, and we want people to be able to stay, watch, and enjoy the entire event. So that's what we're looking forward to doing. The points bet crew has been out here each and every day. And again, it's an awesome setup. We want to offer hours so people can make those plays. And as always, if they want to play on the mobile app, they can do so too. But really, a lot of different wagering opportunities. And PointsBet's offering the best odds on the Bears each and every week. So that's something that really you can't go wrong with. And no juice Saturdays on the NFL. Everything is plus 100, no juice at all. So, yeah, there are a lot of enticing offers from PointsBet. Jim, I know you're a busy man over there at Hawthorne every single day, but I, I'd imagine you find yourself wandering over to the sports book um, a lot. You know what? I have to go over there and I have to peek in a little bit. You have to see what's going on and you want to hear what people are talking about. And really, it's some people a little bit down in the doldrums about what was going on with Chicago sports for the baseball teams. But then they get picked back up when the Bears are 3-0 and and you're moving forward on that end. So it is. It creates a lot of buzz. And what I've seen is it's a great crossover from the racing fan over to the sports wagering fan. And that's really what we want to generate and create here at Hawthorne. And they're doing a great job of it thus far. Jim, so much going on. It's NFL week four, college football, couple of big matchups in the SEC, Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA finals. Uh, there's even more stuff we don't even have time to get. But, oh, oh, yeah, don't forget, you can bet on the 145th running of the Preakness, which takes place today at Pimlico. It's not May, and it's not the second leg of the Triple Crown, but we will have 11 horses in the Preakness today. So uh, we wanted to get your handicap of this race. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Joe, it's really weird this year because you didn't know what to make of the Preakness. You figured, okay, Tis the Law won the Belmont, the first leg of the Triple Crown. And if that horse won the Kentucky Derby, the second leg, then, of course, you'd have a horse going for the Triple Crown. But then Tis the Law gets upset in the Derby by Authentic, and people really didn't know what the Preakness was going to be. Some said, oh, it's only going to be an anticlimactic six or seven horses, something along those lines. But instead, this came up as an incredibly tough race and a really good race. You have Authentic, who is the Derby winner that comes into this race. 
You have really nice horses like Art Collector who's coming in here. You have Thousand Words, the horse that I liked in the Derby as well that scratched in the paddock before that race. You have Max Player, a horse that ran well, and Swiss Skydiver, a horse that's a filly that's going out there and really going to have a big shot as well. So it's a really interesting race. Authentic is clearly the horse to beat. And for me, Joe, the way I play the race, don't get away from the Baffert horses. Authentic is probably the best horse once again, so I'm going to stick with that one, but I'm going to play an exact the box again. I'll use Authentic. I'm going to use Thousand Words again, the horse that freaked out in the paddock for the Derby, and then I'm going to use the eight max player in the mix as well. This horse improving each and every start out. Could be a price. Box those three in the exact and try, and I think we make money once again. You aren't going to lose a lot of money if you stick with the Baffert horses over the years. Isn't that right? Yeah, and that's right, and that's the thing about it. He has these horses ready. He knows how to get them ready strategically as well, too, and I think Authentic, again, goes for the lead. And Thousand Words, it's interesting. This horse puts blinkers on for the Preakness, makes it a little bit closer to the pace, but blinkers provide that calming effect for a racehorse as well, and that's what you want to see in the paddock leading up to the Preakness, but it's a little different, Joe. In the Preakness, they saddle the horses out on the turf course, so they keep them a little bit away from the stands. That may help a horse like Thousand Words in this race. Jim Miller, Hawthorne Racecourse. Thank you, Jim, and we'll speak next Saturday. Uh, you got it. Good luck, Joe. That does it for Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski this week on 670. The score, awesome info from Jim Miller, Chad Millman, and Adam Chernoff. Please subscribe to the podcast of my weekday sports betting show, Bet Sweats. Catch it live 9 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday on the free radio.com app. The Chicago baseball season, unfortunately, now a wrap. But Inside the Clubhouse is here next to talk about it. I'm Joe Ostrowski. Best of luck, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.